Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for Sundays, Sunday mornings, an opportunity for us to gather together. God, we, we like being here. We're glad to be here. Not so much, God, because of the feeling, but rather because of what it really is. A group of people meeting together to look to you, worship you, and hear from your word. Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit's power on it and in it and carried over to us. Oh, Father, we pray you would do that work today, that we would worship you and believe in you. We ask your blessing upon this time now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would please turn in the Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you don't know where that is or you didn't bring a Bible, you can use a pew Bible there and it'll be 1056, page 1056. Uh, We finished the Gospel of Mark, told you all that a couple of weeks ago. And so before we jump into another book, I'm going to preach on a couple topical things. Then I'm going to preach on our church's mission statement. Uh, We're going to cover a couple things like that that we always need to be reminded of before we get back into a book and we ride that out for a while. So we're not in Mark anymore today, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to look at one verse, really just one phrase. Today is Super Bowl Sunday and we're excited about that. That's tonight. That's a big day in our country. A lot of people watch it. Um, uh, Big day in the world. I think it's one of the most watched sporting events uh, of the whole world to be something like 100 different countries that will be watching the Super Bowl tonight. It's a, it's a big deal. And uh, one of the things that's <clears throat> cool about it is that sports seasons are long. You remember when football started back in September, how excited we were for football to start? Now here we are in February and still thinking about football. It's a long season. A lot that goes into it. And now we're down to just two teams the Patriots and the Eagles. Now, just out of curiosity, I don't have anything to do with church or worship or anything. I'm curious who you're pulling for. Let's hear a little bit of noise if you're pulling for the Patriots tonight. All right, if you're pulling for the Eagles. Wow, okay. If you are like me and you kind of wish that somehow, some way, both could lose, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, we kind of don't like either team, do we? Um, Whether you like them or not, it's really impressive to make it to the Super Bowl. A lot that goes into it. Again, long season, lots of practices. If you could see all the way back to like July, those guys would be practicing twice a day, getting ready for this. And coach would be giving them speeches that said, guys, that first Sunday in February of 2018, they're going to have one big bowl and the winner takes all. And that was their focus back in the summer. So you might say that they were, they were on a mission. And it takes a lot to accomplish your mission. Well, our church has a mission statement. It's on the front of your bulletin. It's at every entrance when you walk in. Surely you know it. I hope you do. Our church exists to proclaim Jesus while loving and serving both God and people. It's very simple very clear. Nobody misunderstands it. We exist. God has us here. God gave us this property of 413 Fairdale Road, right beside the funeral home, right down from the park, even right down from the high school, right across from the Dairy Queen. We are here, and we people make it up that we would proclaim 
Jesus. That people far and wide, near and far, that people all over the place, young and old, in the schools, in the neighborhood, that they would hear about Jesus, that we are a proclaiming church. We are a church that talks about Jesus. We are a church that preaches Jesus. We are people that carry Jesus with us wherever we go. We exist to proclaim Jesus. If they know us, they ought to be knowing about him. But we don't want to just do that. And we don't want to just do that obnoxiously. And we don't want to do that with an air or pomp or, or sinful arrogance about us, not at all. We want to do that in a manner that reflects the Jesus that we proclaim himself. We want to do it with a lowly, humble spirit about us. While loving and serving both God and people. To preach it to you, what I'm saying is, we're not better than anybody. We're not above anybody. There's not a person anywhere in your family or on these streets or in this community or around us that we're not here to love and serve. And while we have the privilege to love and serve anybody and everybody, we are serving God. And while we are loving and serving anybody and everybody and God at the same time, the purpose of that living, that lifestyle, that mission is to tell them about Jesus. We don't want to just tell people about Jesus. We want to love and serve them so they can see the proof is in the pudding. We don't want to just love and serve them so they think well of us. We want to love and serve them so they would hear about Jesus who died on the cross for their sins so that they would put their trust in him and be forgiven. We exist to proclaim Jesus while loving and serving both God and people. Guys, 2018 in the United States of America in Louisville, Kentucky, there are churches all over the place. If, you, if you've got a real particular taste for being real picky and, and kind of about your preferences in church, hey, here's the good thing. You've got a lot of options in Louisville, don't you? There are churches all over the place. If you want a cooler preacher or a better preacher or cooler music or better music or a, a bigger church or a smaller church or, 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 or more guys or more girls or more older people or more, if you're looking for all of those things, there's probably a better option out there, to be honest. You'll never hear me say that I think we're the best church. But if you've got it inside of your bones that God has called you to live for Jesus, then you found a good choice here. Because our existence is about living for Jesus. We're not here to just be a light in the community. We're here to be a light in the community that has a mission about it. This light exists to tell people about Jesus while we love and serve them and God. We have a mission. But here's the thing about mission statements. Basically, every organization has a mission statement, or they should. You know, a mission statement doesn't drive a mission. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that deeply before. But a mission statement doesn't drive a mission. A mission statement doesn't make you missional. There has to be something more than that, something other, something deeper. There has to be something that, that drives this. Anybody can come up with a mission statement. And so today, I want to look at this guy, Paul. The Apostle Paul, one of Jesus' followers, called by God, sent by God to live for Jesus. 
anybody that's ever read about Paul before knows this man was on a mission. But what is it about his mission, or what is it about him that drove his mission? What, what made him fulfill his mission? That's what I'm getting at. Because we here as a church have our, have our mission, or at least we have our mission statement, but there's got to be something that kind of pr- pushes it in you. There's got to be something that kind of makes that come out of you. And so I want to see what it was for Paul in hopes that here over the next few minutes, God would make that the same for us. Read with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23. One verse. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Again, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Folks, this guy Paul, he's the one who wrote this letter right here to this church. This is the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians, his first letter that we have in the Bible written to them. This guy was on a mission. And he says here, very simply, kind of a blanket statement, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Y'all, the gospel is the good news. If you ever try to join our church and you go through our our new members class here, we're going to go over this very thoroughly. We want you to understand what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news that Jesus saves. We explain it in four points. The gospel is that God is holy. You need to know that. Everything about the Bible is teaching us that God is holy. The first song we sang today is my favorite church song, my favorite hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Not because the song's so good, but because the song is so crystal clear that God is holy. Nobody here hears that song and thinks, what's this song about? You hear that song and you think one thing, God is holy, and I'm going to sing about it. And that's a good song. I like that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The song is crystal clear. The first point of the gospel is that God is holy. The second point in the gospel is that people are sinful. Check in the mirror, you'll see you're sinful. Check your family, you'll see they're sinful. Check the news, you'll see we're all sinful. People are sinful no matter how you look at it, okay? And that's a big problem. For people to be sinful against a holy God is a big problem. Well, the third point is that Jesus is the answer to that problem. Jesus is the answer. God loves us, he came to us, he lived, he never sinned, then he died for our sins. He died for our sins, was buried in the grave, and God raised him up. And the fourth point of the gospel that we teach from the Bible, is that you must believe that. You must repent of your sins and believe in Christ in order to be saved. It's not enough to affirm one, two, and three. You might say, yeah, I know God is great. He's a big man upstairs. You might say, hey, I know I'm a sinner. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, I know Jesus. He's the man. He died on the cross for us. You might know those three things. That does not make you a Christian. That means you understand the things that Christians believe. What makes you a Christian is if you believe those things. Believe those things through and through to your core with a turning from your sins and a holding on to Christ. If you believe, number one, that he's holy, believe, number two, that you're sinful, believe, number three, that Jesus is the answer, and then, number four, your life now moves in the direction with faith and repentance, then you are a Christian. Paul says here, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. What a statement. I hope that First Baptist Church Fairdale is full of people who can agree with that verse and say, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. 
I parent for the sake of the gospel. I've got my job for the sake of the gospel. God's got me placed exactly where he's got me placed to do my job. He gave me those coworkers, gave me those cubicles, gave me those hours, gave me that shift. God has put me there for the sake of the gospel that people would know about Jesus. That's what it means to have a mission about you. And that's what Paul says here he has. This is chapter 9 and chapter 11. Paul will just speak up and say to them, Church, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 11.1. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. The reason why I point that out is to say, what made Paul so missional, so focused, so driven, is that Paul was so focused on Jesus. And in being focused on Jesus, his life was changed. He had been transformed. He truly was a new person, a different person, a God-empowered, Holy Spirit-filled. He was a different person. He was truly a Christian, a follower of Christ. He had his eyes on Jesus, and because of that, he says, hey, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Well, in being that Christ follower that he was, what were some of the characteristics? What characterized him and today I want to give you three points, and I hope that they will be the three points for you. And if you're here today and they're not, these aren't three characteristics of you, that's okay. That's why we come to church. We come to church to hear God's Word, and God's Word will change you. That's why I'm always trying to get you guys here. That's why I'm telling you don't sleep in because you've got a birthday party to go to. That's why I'm saying if you, if you need to take a Tylenol, take a Tylenol. Get here, get here, get here. Be here. Be consistent because when you're here, the Word of God will change you. The word of God preached will change you. And I'm hoping today that these three points will characterize you as they do Paul. Number one, Paul had strong beliefs. Strong beliefs. Y'all, Paul believed some things. Paul had things he believed that he thought were true. Paul had things he believed that he thought were right, and he had things he believed he thought were wrong. He had things that he believed that he knew were true, and he had things that he knew that weren't true. Paul had strong beliefs. I want to ask you, do you have some beliefs? Are there things that you believe that you think are right and things that you believe that you think are wrong? Are there truths that you, were, that you understand are important? Do you have some strong beliefs? At the beginning of this letter in 1 Corinthians, if you're good at turning pages, then you can keep up. I'm going to point you to several different things. But at the beginning of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, in verse 17, Paul says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. You know one of the things that Paul believed, that he believed so strongly? That the cross of Christ has power. Power in the cross of Christ. That if you can tell people that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, that that message, that cross, that Jesus will powerfully overcome their sinful heart, their unbelief, and cause them to believe regardless of what they're thinking, that the cross of Christ has the power to change. It was this same Paul that wrote in chapter 1 of Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to save people. He had strong beliefs. 
If you go forward a little bit, and you look over to verse 22, he says, For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. If you go over to chapter 2, verse 1, he says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or or with wisdom, verse 2, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Y'all, Paul had some strong beliefs. Paul believed that if you could get to talking to people about Jesus and who he was and what he was like and what he did and where he came from, born of a virgin and how he lived, he never sinned, and how he treated people, loving and serving, he was a foot washer, he was kind, doesn't matter who you were or what side of town you were from, doesn't matter what your reputation was or what your color of skin was or what language you spoke, it didn't matter to Jesus, he would treat you well, treated you so good, he would love you, he would go into your house, there wasn't a home out there that intimidated Jesus, there wasn't a bad person out there that scared Jesus. Jesus treated people well and he proclaimed the message to them and then you know what? They killed him. And you know why all of that happened? Because that is the plan that God had to save people. Paul believed that. Y'all, I know that in 2018 not many people believe it. I know that you watch the news and nobody believes that. I know that your bosses oftentimes don't believe that and your coworkers don't believe that and your neighbors don't believe that. But you know what? Paul believed that. He had a strong belief in that. He said, I don't really care what anybody else thinks. Here's what I know. I was living in sin, opposing God, and Jesus came into my life and changed everything about me. Most most importantly, he changed this guilt, shame, conviction that I had about me. He removed that. He saved me. He changed my heart. He removed my guilty conscience. He cleared my conscience. He cleaned my conscience. And I now now feel free from my sins. Jesus did that to me, and he believed that. And so what happened from there is he went out now living among everybody else with those strong beliefs. It's awesome. I love people with strong beliefs. Sometimes people can be wrong, but you appreciate their strong beliefs, don't you? You know, Amish people have some really strong beliefs, don't we? But we admire it. Oftentimes they stick to it. I was with some family over the holidays that had decided they were going to be vegans. It means they don't eat anything that comes from an animal. We had breakfast, they couldn't do milk. We had Thanksgiving dinner. They couldn't do any turkey or ham. I think it's crazy for them to be vegan like that, but you know what? I thought it was pretty cool that they could stick to it. We admire people with strong beliefs. But y'all, there are beliefs that are right and there are beliefs that are wrong. There's got to be something that's true. There's a God out there. And the Apostle Paul had strong beliefs. So strong that he would say, I do it all. Everything I do is for the gospel. This good news that he believed shaped him. You know why Paul had strong beliefs? 
because Jesus had strong beliefs. And folks, it's, it's comical and humorous how many people today want to claim some of Jesus and they disregard his strong beliefs. It, it's seriously laughable. If you're going to claim Jesus, claim him and everything about him. Jesus had some strong beliefs. In John chapter 8, verse 24, as some people were opposing him, Jesus makes this statement, okay? And so when everybody you know wants to be kind of weak about what their beliefs are, but they're still trying to hold to Jesus, just remember this passage. John chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus says, No, I told you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe, that I am the answer, that I am He, that I am God, that I am the Savior. For unless you believe that, you will die in your sins. John 8, 24. Jesus had strong beliefs. Strong beliefs. You remember when I was preaching through Mark and we got to chapter 8 and chapter 9 and, and Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul. Jesus believed that the most important thing about you is your soul, is the inside of you, is your heart. You know what that means? That means that we can't start looking at our resume of how we treated this person or when we got baptized or those sort of things to start defining how good of a man we are. Because God is going to have us answer to our soul. And as we all know here very clearly, we sin on the inside and the outside. We have hearts that are sinful. And Jesus says, what does it profit you if you gain the whole world, say you get a degree, say you do well, or you get a promotion, or you make some money, or you've got a lot of people that pat you on the back and think highly of you, what does that profit you if you have lost your soul? Jesus believes that you must deal with your soul. You must guard your soul. You must seek an answer for your soul. Paul had strong beliefs because Jesus had strong beliefs. And I want to ask you here today, if you're living according to the mission of First Baptist Church of Fairdale, if you exist to proclaim Jesus, it'll only be because you've got strong beliefs. And some of y'all here, to be quite honest, haven't even said the name of Jesus in a long time. You know why? You don't have strong enough belief in who Jesus is. It's not that big of a deal to you. You're not sure of it. Some of y'all have other people living in your household, and you haven't even mentioned Jesus to them in days, weeks, if I dare say it, months or years. You know why? Not a strong enough belief in Jesus. Paul said that Jesus has power. His message has power. Who he is is powerful. What he did is powerful to, to bring up Jesus, to proclaim him, to speak of him. The cross is to bring power into the situation. The power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message. He had strong beliefs because Jesus had strong beliefs. Number two, his strong beliefs produced, listen to this, a solid backbone. A solid backbone. We're familiar, I do believe, in our, in our culture with what we mean by backbone. Strong back. Convictions. 
knew who he was, his identity, wasn't tossed around, wasn't pushed around, wasn't wishy-washy. He had a solid backbone, and boy, did the apostle Paul have a strong backbone. Yes, he did. He had a solid backbone. If you look back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23, the verse I'm looking at, Paul says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. What's he talking about here when he says, I do it all? He's talking about the way he lives in which he interacts with different people. It's a fascinating uh, chapter. It's a chapter that could really be, ha- have spent a lot of time with it. If you go back to chapter 9, verse 1, he says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. So he's, he's getting in this argument about whether he is legit or how he should be living or what he should be doing to, to validate his ministry and the cause that he's living for with Christ. And he's going to point out That inside of Christianity, yes, there is freedom, and and, and Paul can be doing whatever he wants, which we know that to be true. But the Christian life, listen to me, whether you like it or not, is lived among other people. All of us have believers and unbelievers in our lives. All of us have Christians and non-Christians in our lives that are a challenge to us both moving forward and taking steps backward, both encouraging and discouraging that it's meant to live that way. And our verse 923, Paul is saying, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Everything I'm doing, I'm wanting people to trust in Christ. And so what's he talking about? What he's meaning is that whoever he's interacting with, he is shaping that interaction. Listen to me. He is shaping that interaction not to exercise the freedom of Paul or the right of Paul or the good of Paul. He is shaping that interaction for the sake of Christ. I dare say that American Christians do not like this conversation. We don't like the idea that we need to deny our rights. We don't like the idea that we need to get over ourselves. We don't like the idea that we should take a step backward or we should move out of the limelight for the sake of somebody else. We don't like the idea that we should get outside of our comfort zone, that we should do what doesn't make us happy for the sake of the cause of Christ. We don't like it. When we hear about an awesome family that's got lots of education and sky's the roof and they could get any job they wanted to, they've got four little kids, one's a baby, and we hear about them saying, hey, can you find us a people group somewhere in the world that's kind of outdated, that seems to be still very tribal, that so much so that they don't even have a a written language. Could you find us a people like that? Could you find us one that just, uh, whether you like it or not, that's going to be pretty pretty aggressive and probably a little bit violent, a little bit hostile? Could you find us one? Because we want to move there. You know what? So many Christians would say, that sounds like not a good move. You don't have to do that. And what's wrong with staying here? And aren't there people around here that need Jesus too? You hear those things all the time from people just like us. We don't like talking about, well, it's not about me. Paul says here, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Paul says here, I'm putting myself in position for people to know Christ. 
And you know why we struggle with it so much? Because we think, listen to me, we think that that then starts to put a kink or a, a dent or a hindrance on our identity. Because our identity is still wrapped up so much in us that I'm a good guy or I'm a successful guy or I'm an upstanding guy or I've got this or I've accomplished this or I've got this reputation and, and, and I don't want anything to lose that reputation. That's the way we think so much, even as Christians. And Paul says, you know what? My identity is solely in Christ. Who I am in Christ, loved by God, forgiven of my sins, is my identity. And I don't really care what anybody else thinks. All I care about is for people knowing Christ. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. You don't have to turn there, but just listen to how he speaks in a couple other passages. In, in the book of Philippians, which we've talked about just recently on a Sunday night, Paul says, listen to this. Whatever gain I had, think about how much gain we have. Money in the bank, cars in the driveway, clothes in the closet, friends, opportunities, trophies at your house, honors at your house, computers at your house, iPads, tablets. Think about all the gain that you guys have. Paul says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. Why, Paul? Why do you think those things are not important, Paul? What is it about you that makes those things not important to you? Paul says, I counted his loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss. Nothing matters to Paul except people hearing about Jesus. Makes more sense to me that a family of four would move to the tribal people and translate a language for them and put it in the Bible. Makes more sense to me that a family would do that than do anything else if Jesus really is Lord. Indeed, I count everything as lost because, listen to this, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. A surpassing work. There's nothing worth more than knowing Jesus. If you turn back just a couple of books to the book of Galatians, in case anybody, including that church, is still struggling over, well, Paul's got to look out for himself at some point, right? We love to say that as Americans. We do, right? We love to say it. And it, you start reading the Bible, and it'll really step on your toes. You hear people say, yeah, but I got, I got to do what's best for me. You know I got to. I keep up with all the pro sports, right? And a guy makes $30 million and they're saying he should jump ship and go to another team because he could get a max contract and go to $35 million and they'll say it every single time. Well, at the end of the day, he's got to do what's right for him. What does that mean? That means it's all about him. Paul knows nothing about that when you start factoring in the glory of God and the world knowing Christ. Some of y'all, listen to me, some of y'all have people in your life, maybe even in your home, that you want so badly for them to know God, but you've not dealt with these type of issues yet to get over yourself and over your rights and over it being all about you. But if you would put on that apron or put on that towel and grab your bucket and wake up every day and wash those people's feet and love them and serve them and love them and serve them and love them and serve them and when that gets tiring you hit your knees again and pray to God and love and serve God and say God I got one goal in life for them to know Jesus watch him make it happen but 
As long as we keep this attitude of, well, at the end of the day, I got to do what's right for me, then we're far away from the solid backbone, the identity that is in Christ. Listen to what he says to the Galatians. If you don't know this verse, chapter 1, verse 10, listen to this verse. For am I now seeking the approval of man? Paul says, do, do you think I care if you approve of me? Do you think I care what your church thinks about me? I'm living for Jesus. I don't give a rip about what y'all think I should be doing. Listen to this. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Listen to this. Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, this is Galatians 1.10. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. He had a solid backbone. Paul knew what he believed. He had strong beliefs. And you know what it did? It made him into a warrior for God. His backbone was rock solid. You're not going to influence Paul to get worldly. You're not going to influence Paul to go and start living for himself. He had a solid backbone. Now let's bring it back to us. Listen to this. From the pillar commentary. We should not allow anything to obscure the force of this chapter for current debates today about autonomy or the right to choose. We love to say, well, well, I got the right to do what I want to do. Paul is blasting that in 1 Corinthians 9. The concept of freedom or absolute autonomy is diametrically opposed to the Christian view of our identification with Christ, our solidarity as members of his body, our recognition of his lordship, and our calling to use the freedom we have in the interests of the well-being of others and the salvation of others. Y'all, Christianity, it's saying, is diametrically opposed. I mean the exact opposite direction of you saying, I need to do what's best for me. No, Paul is saying here, I stopped thinking about what was best for me when I bowed my knee and looked to Christ and the risen Savior is Lord. I'm not worried about what's best for me. I'm worried about what's going to help people know Christ. Listen to this. The gospel leads us to live in ways that will win others to Christ and promote, listen to me, this is good Christianity here. The gospel leads us to live in ways that will win others to Christ and promote their best interests, not yours. Not to promote our own personal interests and freedoms at others' expenses. You know, I pastor a church that's 101 years old. We were formed in 1916. In most Baptist churches that are really old, it's, it's changing now that we, we've moved so far into the 21st century, but most Baptist churches have, have repu- old churches, not even have to be Baptists, but a lot of old churches, especially 100-year-old churches, have these reputations of, of people being set in their ways and people being mean and they're being argumentative and, hey, it's hard to influence those old people and all of that sort of stuff. I'm sure you've heard some of that before or seen those experiences before. And I often have to deal, when I'm talking to strangers outside of here or people that are interested in a church, I have to deal with all those questions. And I've been so proud and encouraged by you guys because I'll often speak up and I'll say something like, 
You know, I just got to be honest with you. We don't have a lot of that at our church. At our church, we have a real healthy attitude of this. And I say this phrase all the time. The older people in our church think the young people are most important. And so you can see the older people living and moving and serving the younger people. But the younger people in our church think the older people are most important. And you can see the younger people in our church living and moving and serving the older people. we got a healthy culture in our church of people not saying, well, this is what I want or I think it should be this way. We don't have much of that. I don't hear much of it. And I'm thankful for you guys. When you start realizing it's not about me, what would they like? And when your attitude starts being one, well, don't worry about me, what would y'all like? Hey, hey, young people, what type of music would y'all like? Hey, hey, older people, what type of music would y'all like? Hey, what would y'all like for it to be like? When you get that attitude where it's not about you, it's about them, then we're on our way to letting Christ rule in us and us have the identity of Christianity. But you know where you get that identity? You know where you get that solid backbone that says, I'm not worried about what everybody else thinks about me. My identity is in Christ. My sins are forgiven. My conscience has been cleansed. I'm happy with who I am because God loves me. You get that solid backbone. You know why Paul had that hardcore, solid backbone? You know why? Because Jesus had a solid backbone. Y'all, if there's ever been somebody that had a solid backbone, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. If there was ever anybody who was a man of conviction, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember early on in the Gospels when Jesus had got done fasting, and it's like the understatement of all understatements. It says he'd been fasting 40 days, and it says he was hungry. You remember that? And the devil comes to him and tempts him three times. You remember that story? Jesus was so vulnerable there. You think after you fasted 40 days, and you're grumpy because everybody's grumpy when they're hungry. You think you could say to your family, can I not get something to eat? Come on. And can, can I not for once just get something that I want? Can we not go have Mexican today because that's my favorite, 40 days? That's how we would act. I know it's how you would act. Some of y'all skip lunch and that's how you act. Jesus goes 40 days. If there was ever a time where it could have been all about him, Jesus says, Satan, you're not supposed to test God. You're not supposed to use God. I'm not supposed to do what I want to do. I'm going to live for God. Y'all, Jesus' backbone was rock solid. Nobody moved him. Nobody got him out of character. Jesus had conviction. Do you remember just a few weeks ago in Mark, when I was preaching through Mark, remember they put him on trial and Jesus stood before the council. You remember that? And they were always asking him questions. Let me recall this to you. And the high priest stood up in the midst of all of the council and asked Jesus, Jesus, do you have any answer that you want to make? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But again, he remained silent. And Jesus made no answer. Again, the high priest stands up and asks him, are you the Christ? Are you the blessed one? Jesus said to him, listen to this. They're about to kill him. They're about to whip him till he is bloody as can be. Y'all remember the story. They're about to pluck out his beard, spit in his face, bow before him, crown of thorns. That's what they're about to do to him, right? You know the story. 
They're questioning Jesus in front of everybody, the whole council. He's on trial. They say all of that. They say, are you not the Christ? Are you the Christ? Jesus speaks up and says, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. After this, Jesus didn't say anything else. Is that a backbone or what? They're making fun of him. They're opposing him. They're lying about him. He's being wrongly accused, falsely accused, and because of the wrong accusations and the false accusations, they are about to kill him, and they're asking him these things over and over and over again, and finally say, are you going to say anything? Are you to Christ? And Jesus says, I sure am. Very soon, you're about to see that sky open up, and I'll be back to get y'all. What a backbone. And Paul had come to know this man, and so Paul had a solid backbone. They had strong beliefs. They had a solid backbone, and that's what was driving them to be so missional. But thirdly and lastly, strong beliefs, solid backbone, and it produced, listen to me, a serious burden. Sometimes, among our churches and among us Christians, we have number one and we have number two, but it doesn't seem to produce number three a serious burden. And and I really can't explain it. Most people say it's just because we're so comfortable. I don't know what you think. Some of y'all I know have strong beliefs. And some of y'all I know have a solid backbone. You're, you're running from temptation and you're not giving in to sin and you know what you believe and you'll stand up for, for what you believe, but it's not producing a burden. I'm not really sure why. But what we see with the Apostle Paul is a burden. Paul wasn't able to just say, Jesus is the only way. Hope they find him. Paul said, Jesus is the only way And I'm going to tell them until I can't go anymore. He was burdened by this. Look back to chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians where we're at. Let's just look at verse 19. Remember remember that freedom we were talking about in, in my second point? For though I am free from all, look at this, free from all. He can do whatever he wants. He don't care what anybody else says. Look what he says. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of. Y'all, Paul's freedom, made, listen to me, made him a servant of everybody. The next time you're at the bank and some foolish person is taken forever in line at the bank because they're foolish and because they're not making good decisions and because they're a joke, remind yourself that Paul says, I want to be his servant. The next time you're in the roundabout, and you're not supposed to stop at the roundabout, y'all, that's a yield everywhere you spin it. That's a yield. That is not a stop ever. If there are no cars coming, don't stop. The next time that happens to you, remind yourself, I'm their servant. I want that person to know Jesus. And if they step out of the car right now, and I step out of the car right now, I'm not about to blow up on them. I'm about to love and serve them in hopes that I might tell them right here in this roundabout about Jesus. 
In verse 19, Paul says, I am the servant of everybody. Less education than me, I'll serve them uglier than me. I'll serve them poorer than me. I'll serve them dumber than me. I'll serve them higher than me. I'll serve them anybody. I am their servant. What can I do is what he says. That's just verse 19. Look at verse 20. Let's get specific. What about the Jews? What about the Jews? People that don't even believe the New Testament. They're all about God, but just from the Old Testament. They believe everything that we believe about God from the Old Testament, except that the Messiah has come. They've got a lot of it right, but they've got the main thing wrong. Paul says, those Jews, I'm going to be like a Jew. That's what he says. Look, verse 20. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. Why? Why, Paul? In order to win Jews. Every time y'all hear me small talking y'all with UK basketball, I got this in mind. I hate UK basketball. I was at my five-year-old's birthday party yesterday with watch ESPN pulled up just to watch them lose yesterday. But I'll be cordial with you and act like I care. Because I love y'all. And I want you to believe in Christ. And you know what? I don't want, I'm, and I'm being totally serious, I don't ever want something like basketball to get in the way of us knowing Jesus or anybody else. Verse 19, I'm a servant of everybody. Verse 20, I'm a servant of the Jews. Verse 21, to those outside the law, the Gentiles, those that don't even believe in the Bible, you know what? To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law that I might win those outside the law. Verse 22, what about the weak people out there? To the weak, I became weak. Y'all, imagine how it sounds in this culture today, 2018, for you to say, I'm, I'm going to become like the weak. I want to be like those weak people around. Why? I want them to know Jesus. I want to connect with them. To the weak, I became weak that I might win the week. Look at verse 22. I've become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Back to our verse, verse 23. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. To what extent? Look at verse 27. To what extent is Paul committed to this? But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Wow. The amount of Cokes he drank, the amount of sleep he got, the way he lived, the way he treated people, the exercise, his, his belt size, everything about Paul mattered to him for the sake of people believing in Christ. I do everything for the sake of the gospel. The portion sizes on my plate, the way I treat people, the bank I go to, the barbershop I go to, the job that I have is being determined by can I show people Jesus. We exist to proclaim Jesus. That's our existence. Oh God, don't let us be a church where all we're doing is trying to help people I don't want us to be that. Don't let us be a church where all we're doing is trying to help people physically. God, make us a church that while we're doing everything we can to help people physically, we are also helping them 
spiritually. May we be a people who say, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. May we be a people with strong beliefs. We go to church. We read the word. We want to hear it. We believe what God has said. We have strong beliefs. Solid backbone. Those beliefs shape who we are. They are our convictions. They control what we do. They determine how we move through life. We treat our people. We treat our children. We treat our enemies based off of our beliefs. That's our backbone. That's our convictions. That's who we are. That is our identity. Because those things are so real, it's put a burden on us. Paul had that serious burden because Jesus had the serious burden. You remember just a few weeks ago when Jesus was praying in the garden and he said, my time has come. It's time for me to depart out of this world and go to my Father. You remember Jesus saying that? And the Bible shows Jesus praying in the garden all night long and praying to such extent that he is sweating He is sweating and he's sweating blood. Do you remember that? Jesus was so burdened for me and for you. Jesus was so burdened for the world that he was visibly exhausted. He was worn out. This was gripping him. He was burdened. Church, as we keep looking to the word, we should be growing in our strong beliefs. As the Holy Spirit applies that, we should be having a solid backbone. And for the sake of all of those around us, may that produce in us a serious burden. And may it be that moving forward, because of your commitment and your devotion and our commitment and our devotion, God is making us a church that's living out its mission. I pray today that you would have a commitment to being a part of a church that proclaims Jesus. And may there be many people saved because of it. Let's pray. And Father in heaven, thank you for Paul's missional life. God, thank you for Paul and how we can look to him and want to be like him. Father, we pray that you would produce this in us to live it out, that we would have strong beliefs, solid backbone, and a serious burden. Father, we pray today that your word and your spirit would produce that in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.